Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Be Simply, and this is she, and I want to thank you for joining us in this moment. We are going to connect to self and what it means to be stress-free. Oftentimes, we forget how much stress impacts us and actually keeps us from connecting to self. Now, these series on self-love are designed really to help any of you that are listening in to practice a few things in your daily life that might help enable you to move past anything that's been holding you back, inspire you to run forward or walk forward, and also keep you in resonance with self, connecting to self. When we're coming out of a society that's mainstream, mass media, where we can look and observe, we can test this out, that if we watch certain things and then we take them into the dream realm, they actually impact our dream realm. I can attest this last night. I watched a pseudo-documentary on a person, and they were very much a part of my astral travels. So this is just to show us that this the things that are around us, this is just a simple illustration you can try it yourself, world, they impact our living world, they occupy our mind, and they can cause us stress, anxiety, and that can bring us out of ease, living with ease. It'll bring us into living with dis-ease, depending on what the what the environment that we're surrounding ourselves with. So it's a choice, and some people feel that the indulgences in life uh, no matter how bad you feel the next morning, are well worth those sacrifices because they're fun. However, if you project this out, are you just committing yourself to a gerbil wheel of stress, anxiety, whatever it might be, and just jumping on and off that gerbil wheel and not progressing forward? So if we look at our body as an energetic being, we are mainly water, we are part of a molecule that is so magical, part of a universe that is so magical, and if we look at that, we just bring it down to molecular science, and we think about that, how do we want to feed that molecule, how do you want to connect with the world around you, and these shifts will start if we all decide, oh, I don't want to go on the verbal wheel. I want to actually be in a resonance of peace and calm or serenity, stress-free. So today we're going to talk about how to be free of it and how even in turbulent moments we still can remain calm and why that's a benefit not only to self but to the world around you. As we ease into that topic, what I'd like you to do is just to do a situation that's impacting you in this moment. That's where we must dive in. If we go too far back about how we were stressed as a kid, that's not really that might give us clues as to where that gateway opened or that seed is. However, if we don't think about what's here now, where the stress is right in this moment, that will not that will be our portal of entry, and then from there we'll spiral out. So what we're going to do is we're going to connect to um, a piece of music right now. We're just going to relax into it, and I just want you to think about where you have stress and where you're ready to let go of that stress. And you can do the music, allow that to be the backdrop. The rest of it is just to really connect connect deeply with where that stress is and are you ready to release it? Are you ready to let go of it? And are you ready to let go of the story? So this is going to be our meditation and I just want you to take it as deep as you can go and as you dive into the responsibilities and many of them have been um, gone through various interpretations, but I am just going to ask you to connect with this right now as a mantra to welcome in and where return to that center. Close your eyes, take a deep breath, breathing in and out, and last out 
see where the stress resides, where you get ignited, where the button is, and see what you experience. Forget the blame game. Just see what happens when you go into those gateways and those memories of stress and what it is about. Don't overanalyze it. See it. Watch it. Look at it. Walk 360s around it. Allow it to fall to the earth, and we'll come back and we'll dive deeper into being at ease.
Ekam Kar Satnam. This is by Satnam Kaur. And that song, that mantra, is really to mean, it's actually a Sikh mantra, and it connects with just one supreme reality, uh, your highest emanation. Um, and there's, I'm not going to go into theological aspect of it and why I wanted to utilize that mantra, the sound vibration, and not give it a lot of lead in is that if we think about that to be in one euphoric reality, uh, one supreme reality with self, that life will be at ease. So hopefully in this moment where you're able to reflect and dive into where you have stress, where you get ignited and what the cause of that is. And if we look at that, um, ask yourself what you witnessed. And if you have a pen and paper, write it down. If not, later on, write it down. Hopefully it was really apparent. And as you remember that, then what you can do is we can see the next time knowing that, wow, at work I typically get really stressed or, wow, at work I am pretty calm, but when I come home I'm not so pleasant to be around uh, my family and my friends. I take this anger out at them or I take my stress out at them or my dis-ease on them and I don't spend time really connecting deeply with them because I have to off-gas all of this energy or maybe you notice that when you get into fear that you tend to start to get short or testy or uptight and you dove in there. Wherever you dove in, now that you know where your trigger point is, I want you to think about as a potential practice that each day before you start your day, as you go to those trigger points and you just prepare yourself, you almost shield yourself saying, okay, I want to be in right action here. So this aspect of right action is if you know every time maybe your child does X, Y, and Z, that it's going to irritate you that you can say, wow, what would be a better way to approach that instance? How could I do better in that situation? If you know every time your partner does something, it irritates you, you'd say, wow, how could I bring <laughs> a lot of wows in? I'm noticing I'm saying wow a lot today. How could I bring in compassion? How could I bring in love? How could I revisit what they're going through and not make it about me? So by First of all, taking that practice, knowing where your portal in, where you're going to get wound up, and then fully taking responsibility for those emotions. So if we take responsibility for our emotions that you can let other individuals know, I don't know why, but that really irritates me and it sets me off, it might have something to do with an old memory. It might have to do with the memory of feeling vulnerable, fearful, scared. Once we identify that trigger point, then we can start to move the energy like clay. We can massage the clay and we can get to the root of it. We can address within stress what's happening. Our immediate needs not being met, which we've talked about before, food, water, and shelter. If those aren't being met or you have a fear that they're not going to be met, you go into fight or flight. And that keeps you on a certain edge. It keeps you from fully relaxing into your natural state. Imagine if a lion always thought that he was going to be attacked. He is going to become more and more agitated because he's going to have to stay on defense and offense, potentially, so he doesn't become someone's meal. Or this might be for other prey in the wild kingdom. When we connect to where that fear is and if our needs are going to be met, then we can say, hey, why don't I see if my needs can be met? I remember when I realized I had a fear, which no longer exists in me, but I had no idea I had this fear. I was afraid of birds, flying objects, uh, feathered friends who I adore. And I knew that this existed once I found out and was triggered. And then... You know, I had a choice. Do I maintain the fear? Do I hold on to that fear forever, ever, or do I walk through it? And I remember being in the Venice and walking through 
the Piazza di Michelangelo, I believe, and as we're, or Marco, Piazza di Marco, as we're walking through that piazza, there's all these pigeons, lots of pigeons in Italy. It's not the greatest place if you're afraid of birds. However, I asked uh, two of my friends to surround me and walk across that piazza. I could have just stayed under the a certain area and not taken the time to walk across. However, I would have missed out on that experience. So I knew that was a fear point. And then over time, I continued to work with that fear. And now <laughs> I'm okay with a condor flying right over, you know, my being really low and I don't flinch. I feel their presence so much different. So we have the opportunity in every moment to shift what we think we're afraid of and approach it and check it out. My father and I were just talking about that. He had no idea of fear of heights. And, you know, he said it's just something you got to work through, push through, meaning that till you get comfortable, you move past that threshold. And it's usually a nonverbal thing. It's not an intellectualized thing. It's an energy field that lifts. So this is the same with stress. So if you are in that reorganize part of your life to make certain that you can feel comfortable, calm, and at peace. The other part that causes is this is an involuntary reaction oftentimes, almost Pavlovian, that you've had, if you've had a certain experience, especially if you were injured or harmed or trauma occurred, it's hard to get past that because it's like a brick wall. Every time you meet it, you just go into that fight for flight. You go into that defense mode. You go into that fear, anxiety, stress, and you lose the ability to be a critical thinker, to be rational. As you can see, this can impact all aspects of your life, from relationship to work to how you feel about yourself. So address that fear and and then take ownership for it. Let the people around you know, you know, I just have trouble trusting people. I have trouble uh, feeling at ease with uh, this situation because of X, Y, Z. And let them off the hook. Uh, it can allow for much easier time of relationship and allow you time to really address your emotions with self rather than projecting them on someone else. If we continually project our stress on other people, we're avoiding taking ownership for it. We're avoiding getting past it. You're not going to get past the birds making you scared. You're not going to get past having a fear of heights. You're not going to get past a fear of having an intimate relationship by always projecting it on someone else. And the reality is some of those things that cause that fear to begin with might occur, but who's to know? There's only moving forward and seeing what happens and then you address it. The next part is scarcity. And scarcity is this resonance that plays funny games with us and actually impedes our ability to create the world that we want around us. Now, everyone is going to have a different vision of what they want that world to be, and it can be anything. You decide what that is, and you'll understand the truth of it. You might have a secret fantasy or romanticism with living on a piece of land all by yourself and you might get there and a year in, a month in, you might realize, wow, why did I want to do this? I really enjoy being out in an urban city center. So once we really attune ourselves uh, to what we want, then we can really start to resonate where we want to be. However, that, that element of scarcity, if say that is you want to live out in the land and <laughs> that's where you want to get, but you don't feel that you're able to go there and realize that maybe you don't want to be there, but that's okay, that's part of the journey, that scarcity element can prevent us from attracting what we want. It can prevent us from creating what we want because we're always going back to that fear or we're always going back to scarcity. Oh, I'm never going to have enough to do this. 
there are so many examples of people that start with very little and create what they need. It could be end up being really big. It could end up being just comfortable. However, they stayed with it. They stayed focused on it. They connected with it, and they kept going with that energy field. So we have immediate needs, really addressing those, witnessing if you are addressing them, fear of getting hurt, where are the fears, fear of dying, living, whatever it might be, scarcity. How do you impose scarcity and how does it create stress in your life if you're feeling scarce? And that scarcity can be tied into lack of having enough. If we have a belief system that we don't have enough, then we're always in that mode, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, and that causes stress or anxiety. Now, the flip side I want to I turn on, because there are a lot of people on this planet that are really have enough, more than enough, and they're stressed, they have anxiety, because they've made their life so complex that they have more than enough for themselves in a small village. However, they're still stressed, they're still depressed, they're still anxious, and they're not happy. And then you can go to a village and see a man sitting in a hut, and he's blissful because he realizes, I have a lot less energy to manage. So if you're on the opposite end, that you're overabundant, you are over busy, you're overcommitted, and you're running around, and maybe you're something in between, you're a meritage of scarcity and over uh, committed to the world, that you realize within that moment that you're actually not at peace, you're not at ease, you're stressed, you're running on empty, and you're not allowing yourself time to replenish. When we evaluate all this, this is our, our gateway as we have that portal where we get triggered, but we can also below that trigger realize, oh, I get triggered because I'm always afraid that I'm not going to have enough. Or, wow, I have everything I need, but I'm not enjoying it. I have all these beautiful children, I have grandchildren, I have the means to go anywhere in the world, but I'm not enjoying it. I'm spinning my wheels. I'm in that gerbil wheel. With this being said, I just want you to reflect a little bit deeper right now. I want you to look at the trigger, what triggers you into stress, anxiety, and then look at what the root is. And then we're going to go from there into how we're going to practice to live a stress-free life. Imagine that, even if we're put into those arenas where we might be triggered. We're going to connect right now to that concept. I just want you to bring that into your awareness. Look at the deeper root. Is it is it scarcity, overabundance, complexity, whatever it may be. It might be, not even be anything I mentioned Go to your trigger, then try to dive in a little bit deeper what, what's behind that stress. What's the worst case scenario that's going to happen when that occurs? We're going to listen to a little bit of Shyla Ray's Sunshine. We're going to listen to the song of existence. The song, just allow it to wash over you like a beautiful waterfall, connecting to your existence, going to the treasure that's behind the veil of stress and anxiety, and look and see if you can find the key to your freedom. Then we'll come back in and we'll dive in a little bit deeper to some practice and how we can live a stress-free life. Take a deep breath. Allow yourself just to sit in self. Welcome in knowing self a little bit deeper. Welcome in and see what might happen.
I am the one I've been waiting for. When we live in ease, we realize that we are the one we've been waiting for and that we are powerful and power not in the sense that you are going to be in charge of uh, anything other than you. Hmm. And when you connect to that power, you can do many beautiful things. And how this is related to stress is that when we realize the truth within our existence, how we're to serve, how we're to show up, what makes us comfortable, what makes us at ease, it is within that moment that we can start to allow our life to organize, self-organize into a rhythm that is in harmony with self and the universe. We are impacted over and over again by the world around us. As I led into this segment, I mentioned how the media, the impressions that we are impacted by on a daily basis around us from, if you watch television, from movies, from social media sites, all of that is impacting us. It's embedding into our energetic consciousness. And then we're creating noise, a lot of noise around it, keeping us a little bit further from knowing self and potentially distracting us and keeping us from liberating ourselves from stress and living an easy life. When my parents were here not too long ago, my mother, uh, oftentimes I'll give them little tips, which might be annoying to them, uh, about living in harmony with your body and living healthy, that we've been given this construct that we have to go through a life cycle and die and age. And I'm not really certain that that's the case. And so my mother will say, well, don't make us too healthy. I only want to live to here. And I said, well, wouldn't it be beautiful if we all just departed when we were ready? That it wasn't about our body degrading. It was really about our life. And it was really about knowing self and coming in harmony with self. And then listening and knowing when departure was to unfold. So right now, as we're at the end of Age of Ignorance in the Kali Yuga, building a bridge to potentially a world that is much different, we will see what happens. We don't know until we get there. However, we can, in this moment, learn how to live in ease and walk in ease. And how do we do that? So I'm going to give you a couple practices. We've already touched a little bit on it because you've already discovered that gateway, that point where you get ignited. You know it's going to be an issue. For you, it might be when people come into your home and you start to get controlling and possessive of your environment because you're not really wanting to have people in your environment, whatever it might be. But you have that key. And then during that last song, that existence, you might have unraveled, you might have realized what the root is, maybe it's scarcity, maybe it's you've spent your whole life creating all this complexity and you've forgotten how to live uh, with ease or why you were doing all this. So it might not have been all the accolades or the accomplishments. It really might have been a journey about trying to understand who you are. Whatever those keys are, whatever the, the face value where you're going to open the door and then the root. Are you afraid? Are you uh, making life more complex than you need to? Do you live in scarcity? Do you have your immediate needs met? Are you afraid of living? Are you afraid of dying? Is this causing you stress and anxiety? There might be several points. Just write them down and let them be. First, see them. Then, I want you to look at that, whatever it might be, and say, what surrounds me? when I get into that mode? What environment am I in when I'm feeling fear, anxiety, or stress? Or am I attracted to certain relationships that always put me into that place? And am I ready to actually go check out another way of living? Am I ready to be uh, in maybe a different community or sangha, as we will call it in um, some Buddhist texts? If you are ready to be in a different community... 
And that's a, a gateway. It might be something else. So we'll go from there. Really, that evaluation of what's around you, that's your first practice. And then where do you need to change it? I've had friends that have worked on Wall Street, for example, high stress, a lot of anxiety, didn't keep them in their t- integrity. So they moved away from that ecosystem and moved into a different lifestyle. And that has brought them peace and harmony. Again, it's a choice. And you might still have another lesson to learn within that environment, but you're closer to your own vibration. So within that, we're going to go from there to evaluating your environment, evaluating your ecosystem, and now we're going to look at meditation as a practice. It's There are many, many studies. You can research it up, down, and sideways, ancient relatively ancient 5,000 years text has shown us that we have the ability to meditate, to breathe, to be at peace. This will bring us back into resonance and harmony with ourselves. It'll reduce our stress. It'll actually bring our body functions down, allow them to repair, and then we can go back out into the world. Oftentimes the mind is so cluttered, stress is occupying the mind that we don't take the time to find that ease, to slow down. And we can become addicted to certain habits, to that gerbil ball. We want to go back in that ball and run around and then come back out. So think about this for a moment and think about what makes you feel at peace and what makes you feel at ease and where you want to find harmony and joy and pleasure and freedom. We can bring this into a meditation. So when you're feeling stressed, just bring yourself to the guided imagery of what makes you feel at peace, where you want to be. And don't put obstacles there. And notice if you do throw them up, like, oh, I would rather be on an island, but I live in the middle of a desert. Why are you living there then? And then make the shift, make the change. Taking that breath in, breathing in and out. And then from there... Once we start to recognize and we implement some meditation in the morning and the evening, you can do the sitting up or lying down. You will start to have this beautiful just gateway into your day and out of your day, taking time to breathe, clearing out the system, letting the mind come to peace, let the heart come to peace. Then the second practice is how can I reduce some of the stress? You know, the the recycling term is, reduce, reuse, repurpose, recycle. So when rather than repurposing stress, you can, that's a whole other segment, is how can you reduce the stress? And notice, okay, say I have a really hard day and I decide I'm going to go out to the bar and I'm going to drink and I'm going to then from there going to feel really bad the next day because I'm recovering because I've just filled my body with uh, neurotoxins and poisons that affect all my organs. Now I've put my body in stress and I have to recover. So that's a choice, right? In every moment, how do we deal with stress? So reduce the impact of stress is first of all. If you notice you've, you've gotten yourself into stress or anxiety, Find the mechanism that makes you feel at home, at peace. Maybe it's running. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's meditating. Maybe it's cooking. Bring that in. Rather than go and put something in your body, whether it's excessive eating, whether it's excessive shopping, whether it's excessive drugs, alcohol, all these different things, addictive behaviors, say, wow, instead of doing that, I'm going to do this. Instead of being stressed, and going into this whole spin-out to relax for the evening, I'm going to actually go home and read a book with my child, or I'm going to go home and draw a picture with my child, or I don't have any children, but I'm going to go home and draw a picture anyways, or I'm going to do something of service. So this is how we're going to reduce our stress because we're not going to multiply it. If we continue to multiply the stress, it grows and grows and grows, and this is how people get disease in their body Typically, adults, this is how adults get disease in their body. I'm not referring to children, is that the stress level keeps coming and compounding, compounding, and then it works that part of the body where we're weak. And you might be able to evaluate the area of your body that you're weak. And the reason you would want to do that is where do you get sick? How do you get sick? Where do you typically store your stress? This is an area we're going to reduce the stress, meaning we're going to choose different activity versus um 
our typical gerbil run. And then we're going to also think about how can I support this area that typically gets taxed. So let's use the example of alcohol. You go out on every night you come home and you decide to placate your troubles or your stressful day with uh, a substance that will numb you, that will bring down your um, t walls and it'll just relax you. And there are teas that can relax you. So you could come home and have a beautiful glass of tea with your family and then be present to have a conversation instead of somewhat altered. Or you can decide to do something else. You can decide to support the area of your body that typically gets weakened. So let's say that you drink and your liver is not really great. So rather than for stress, weakening that weak part, you decide, wow, I'm going to just fix myself something really nice that's going to help regenerate my liver right now. I'm going to take the stress energy and I'm going to convert it and I'm going to have myself a really nice glass of coconut water or I'm going to make myself a juice or I'm not even going to eat. I'm just going to go for a walk and clear some of this heat from my body. That would be a more proactive way and a way to reduce the stress. Then you're not compounding it. The other option is that if you drink the alcohol, you have a liver that's weak, you're going to compound your stress because your body's going to have to work twice, three times, four times, maybe five times as hard to recover and return your body back to normal. So simple way, reduce. If you're an overeater, you eat too much, that's hard on your body. Rather than compound it, maybe choose to fast or have something liquid or slow down the eating to reduce the impact of the stress. If you tend to be volatile with your stress and project it out on others, choose silence. Choose being quiet and reduce the impact of the stress. Now, how are we going to eliminate it altogether? You, I've given you an idea of meditating, breathing, reducing, and redirecting your energy. Elimination of stress is to really be honest with yourself. What does not make you feel good? If something is occupying your, your mind in a negative way, more than likely it needs to be eliminated from your life. So start with a meditation. Start with redirecting the behaviors. And then from there, you have the opportunity to eliminate the stress. So that's, this is that example where someone works in one field and leaves it. People will use the fear of not having enough scarcity. Oh, I like to have this lifestyle, but I'm not happy. I'm going to stay miserable because I need to have this lifestyle. Or I have all this abundance and I want to have it, but it's making me miserable. So it's a choice how you want to live. Or maybe you're living in scarcity and you don't like it and you want to have more, and that's okay too. It's finding that balance that's right for you. With that being said, we're going to take a little break from listening to she in this moment, and we're going to connect to Ganesh. Ganesh is a remover of obstacles in Hindu lore, and we're going to listen to the mantra. Just allow it to roll over your mind's eye and think about where you have your walls, where you have your barricades. From there, we're going to talk a little bit about the symbolism of Ganesh, just in story form, to help assist you in the ideas and the concept behind how we can employ some of these concepts to release us from how we're held hostage to our own anxiety and stress. As you connect to the mantra, just imagine yourself sending any stress that you typically have, if you have it now or you've had it in the past, to the earth, connecting to the earth, releasing it to her with your breath into a compost pile, and then we'll come back and we'll finish out with a little bit of lore and then a recapitulation of this episode and send us off into next. With that being said, take a deep breath, breathing in and out and connecting to you, your inner you, that vibration that is at peace and in harmony with self.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Mm, So here we are, and I bring in Ganesh at the latter part of the segment as a remover of obstacles. So as we have maybe potentially found the gateway, the doorway into where we always enter that gerbil ball that creates the stress, and then we understand the root level of what the stress is, do we not like it? Does it bring us into fear, fight for flight, stress, memories? Once we know that, then we can start to eliminate and we can start nourishing, being proactive to a situation. So if we know stress, work stresses us out, maybe a good long meditation before we get there and exiting or breath work will help eliminate some of that stress and bring perspective to why we're stressed in that moment. Again, we won't have all the answers right away because there's many layers to our existence and we don't know all the truths and we may not see all of them till we do, till we have that, ah, I get it. So with that being said, we're going to just have a little fun with Ganesh's lore. I think it's really important sometimes to share some of the meanings. I At the beginning of the segment, that oneness connecting to our supreme presence and um, really not going to too deep of Sikh theology around that for a reason, just letting it be a vibration sound. And the reason I'm bringing Ganesh in, because I've always thought he's a fun character and easy to relate to in many different ways. So we're going to just talk a little bit about him, uh, what Ganesh symbolizes. And that's what these teachings are, symbolism. And when we dive a little bit deeper into it, they can help free us that ease, that nice, soft, easy listening and living and experiencing. It's a beautiful way to be. So Ganesh's trunk symbolizes the fact that a wise person has both immense strength and fine discrimination. Remember, if we don't have discrimination and we don't have strength, we're probably going to put ourselves into some potentially stressful situations because we can't see clearly, we can't discern clearly. Ganesha has large ears because the wise person hears all. We talked about that before, is that if we overspeak, that we don't take time to hone up our listening skills, that we might miss something, and that can put us into stressful situations. Ganesh has four hands. In one hand, he holds a lotus, the symbol of enlightenment, that flower, the crown on the top of our energetic body. In the other hand, he holds a hatchet. This is an old karma, or all your sanskaras, the accumulated good and bad of past deeds, um, get cut when enlightenment occurs, when you self-realize and, and I would say just vibrate at your highest state, that that falls away. You're no longer holding yourself hostage to the past and you're ready to be that vibration moving forward. The third hand holds the lattice, uh, round sweet meats. These are rewards of wise life. Ganesh is never shown eating the lattice. The wise man never partakes in the rewards of his deeds. He is non-attached to them. And we'll also say the wise woman, too. So th- this means that uh, the, that it's rather than indulging, it's just held and then decided what you want to do with it. The fourth hand is shown blessing the people, the wise person being... <laughs> Wishes the best for everyone. Loka samasa sukino bhavantu. Loka samasa sukino bhavantu is a mantra for life to all, love to all, peace to all. So the person, the wise person, is not going to have a beef, <laughs> no pun intended, or maybe there is, with others. They're going to be able to be at peace. The other interesting fact about Ganesha is that he holds one tusk in the hand, and the other is shown broken. The symbolism of the broken tusk is that the wise person is beyond duality, that that one tusk moves them past the duality. Once we transcend duality, we see the entire universe as a single whole. We become aware of our true selves. The single tusk in Ganesh represents non-duality. Ganesh is shown sitting with one foot on the ground and the other one resting on 
his knee above ground. The wise person is of this earth, yet not entirely of this earth. And that's that bridge between heaven and earth. When we're connected to our highest frequency but grounded in the world system that we belong in, this allows us to continue to operate with that full spectrum, if we are in duality or polarity, we are not bridging both aspects. The next fun fact is Ganesha seated on a rat. The reason for saying that Ganesha rides on a rat is the rat is amongst, among the greediest of all animals. It will keep nibbling at whatever is available, eating everything it can. Scientifically, this article that I'm reading from, the rat's teeth keep growing and it has to keep chewing on something to keep these within limits. The rat is a symbolism of our senses, which are never satisfied. They crave new experiences, new tastes. Left uncontrollable, they keep growing forever. The wise person rides on his senses. He keeps them under control. So, this is a beautiful metaphor, and also that element of also riding on the rat, I've been told, is uh, pride, having humility. Ganesh is shown seated in front of a tray of sweets. In these images, the rat is shown sitting in front of Ganesha, perhaps a bit to one side, looking up at him. The senses of the wise person are under his control, and the rat dare not eat the sweets without the permission of Ganesha. This, again, when we're in a stress-free life, we are held hostage to our senses. We're not held to satiating our senses. The next aspect of Ganesh is that Ganesh, in the story, the lore, how he has the elephant head, is that he is the son of Shiva and Parvati, who is... Shiva is the god governing the life force, and she, Parvati is the earth mother. This symbolizes the spirit and the body of the wise person. Finally, the wise person has the dignity of the elephant. So also, if you study the story of Ganesh, he received that head protecting his mother. Uh, those two forces, the mask and the feminine, heaven and earth, are representing these polarities, these dualities. So when we say this mantra, when we say Om Ganesha Na Om Ganeshaya Namaha, what we are doing is we are about to do let wisdom be our guide. We are asking for wisdom to be our guide. So when we go into stress, anxiety, fear, are we being wise? No, we are giving all our power away. We are allowing that metaphorical rat to lead us versus allowing ourselves to hold our power, our wisdom, and our strength and allow that to be the guide. So connect with you in this moment. Just take a moment. And are you being wise in your life right now? Are you being present with who you are? Are you willing to continue to cultivate a stress-free life? It's a choice. However, the habit of going back in that gerbil ball is pretty strong. It pulls us in. We like to keep running in that wheel because it's, we're used to it. We're used to that stress. We're used to that polarity. And are we ready to step out of it? That's why I bring Ganesh in. That's why I hold him because he has so much in the lore. You can look at it. And that symbolism, for me, is really beautiful. So you can relate to it as you want. And that is a potential key, wisdom, to setting you free of stress. When we get to the heart of matters, when we start to take responsibility for our life, we start to take responsibility for our emotions and see the true wisdom, then we can allow the wisdom that exists in each one of us to ride us into the next. So simply put, how we can live stress-free is first we bring in silence, we bring in the breath, breathe through it, lead ourselves in and out of the day with that solitude, that that stillness, to reconnect us to our frequency, reduce and eliminate. See where that gerbil ball exists and think about reducing it, the stress, 
nourishing it by nourishing the weak areas in our mind, body, and spirit with what's needed to keep them in balance. Eliminate the stress. If you're doing something you don't like, change it. Shift it. There's always an option. Anything is possible. There's many, many, many options out there. And then finally, think about connecting to your wisdom, the wisdom that exists in you, and may that wisdom guide you. Ganesh removes the obstacles he welcomes in and shines a light on your wisdom to help lead the way. He's not taking them down for you. He's not in charge. You are. So Om Ganeshaye Namaha. With all of this being said, I'd like us just to take a deep collective breath. We're going to sign out with a song in memory of a friend of mine. His name is Elijah And today is a day that they're going to honor his life, and I just wanted to take this moment to honor him. His wisdom in body and out of body has led me, helped lead me to here. So I pay tribute and thanks for him and all the others around him that have been put through so much and miss him. May he sail free. May you all sail free into ease and your grace. Until next time, this is she signing out with a deep bow, a soft gaze, a belly full of laughter, and a namaste.